You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Amen. You can be seated and good morning to the 10 o'clock people. Hope all are well today. The Lord is with us. Let's redeem our time together wisely. So with your copy of God's Word, let's go to Colossians chapter 3 together. Should not be a surprise if you've been here a lot this summer. If today's your very first summer day to be here at Highland, we're in the book of Colossians and have been. And Colossians is the 12th book in the New Testament. You've got the Gospels, Acts, Romans, the letter to the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Let's go there together starting in chapter 3, the very end of chapter 3. We will pick up where we stopped last Sunday. Colossians chapter 3. Pick it up at verse 18. Just four verses today. A lot of great things here. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Pretty much the entire book of Colossians, certainly Colossians chapter 3, is about who we are once we put on the new self, once Christ has rescued us, has saved us, who we are in Christ. We have put on the attributes of Christ. Paul calls it the, the new person or the new self. It is when we live in Christ and Christ is living in us and we're abiding in Christ that we begin to, begin to show the attributes of, of Christ. And so all throughout this, this book, it speaks of this transformation that you and I go through when we are in Christ Jesus. There's an eternal change, but also an external change. And so chapter 3 specifically talks so much about this new self, this, this new person. Uh, Paul uses this picture of taking off things and, and putting on things. So let's just review very quickly. I'm sure you, you know everything I'm about to say. You've paid such good attention. You've been studying all week long. But, but let's go back a little bit to what has been transformed. So all things are transformed as we put on the new self. Here's the first thing that's transformed. Our thoughts. Our actual thinking is transformed when we're putting on the new self, when we've put on Christ. We see that back in chapter 3, verse 2. This isn't on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so there's a, there's a thinking transformation that has happened for those who are in Christ. Not only what we think about, but how we think is transformed because we put on the new self in Christ. We think now with a Christian worldview. We have set our minds on the things that are above. We've set our minds on, on Christ, on his kingdom, on his mission, on his gospel. Our minds are not set on the things of this earth because this earth, friends, is not long term for us. And so we set our mind, we set our heart, we set our attention, we set our affection on the things that are above. So our thoughts are transformed as we put on the new self. The second thing that's transformed is our passions. And we see this in, in chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, things such as sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. 
And so our passions are, are being transformed. Paul says here, these things should no longer be a part of us. We are to put them to death, not put them on a leash, not put them in the corner, not put them in the next door over, the next room over, so we can go and visit them, but mortify them. Put those things to death. Put those things down. Paul is saying here that in Christ, we are transformed out of those things. So stop putting those things back on you. What else is transformed? Our relationships are transformed. We see this in chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. But now you must put away all these things, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And you see in verse 10, and we have put on the new self. So our relationships are completely changed. Our relationships are transformed as we find and discover this new identity that we now have in Christ. And so verse 8 and verse 9 is how we relate to one another. You see that phrase in, in verse 9, one another. Anytime the New Testament uses that phrase, one another, and I think it does about 90, 91 times, it is always speaking of the church. How we treat one another, how we rightly relate one another. And so we see here how we're to, to treat one another with, with these, these, these words such as putting off anger, putting off wrath, or putting off malice. We should not lie to one another. We should not use obscene talk. We should not slander one another. This is how we now relate and how we treat one another is antithetical or completely contrasted to how the world relates to itself. And so all these words are words of Waco. All these words are words of America. All these words are words of the world. And we are to put those things off. That's part of our new self. And we're seeing that especially in the exterior, in the relationships with others. But now look at our attitude. That also is transformed. And that is more the interior. What is happening on, on the insides? Look at verse 12 and verse 13. So put on then. Remember back earlier in verse 8, verse 9, take off. Now put on then as God's chosen ones. You are holy. You are beloved. Put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and bear with one another. There's that phrase, one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And so we see our attitudes that are that are being changed. The things that are happening in our heart. We know now who we are. We saw this last week, right? In, in, in verse 12, we are chosen people. We are holy people. We are beloved by God. Because of that, we can now have attitudes of compassion. We can now, because we know who we are, we can be kind. We can be humble. We can be meek. We can be patient. We can be, verse 13, forgiving. We can bear with one another. Once we know who we are in Christ, then we can do what God has called us to do. What else has changed? What else has transformed our, our motivations? Look at verse 14 and verse 15. Above all of these, remember, here's, here's the, the belt, if you will. Above all these things, put on love, which just binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule, control, referee your hearts, to which indeed you are called, here it is again, the church, into one body, and be thankful. What is being transformed here? Our, our motivations. So now, Christian, we are motivated by love and by peace. What Dr. Sloan mentioned earlier, by, by thankfulness. We also have the motivation, verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's our motivation. Whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you think, we need to line it up with the character 
of Christ, line it up with Jesus. Be consistent with the name of our Lord Jesus, his nature, his very character. So also what we're going to see today, what else has transformed our marriage? Marriages of a man and a woman in Christ, those marriages are transformed. We're going to see that today in a few minutes, how the new self, putting on the new self in Christ impacts marriages. Also, what else has transformed? Lastly, our home. We're going to see that in verse 20 and 21 today. We're going to see that in a few minutes, how putting on the new self transforms and and changes the very nature of, of the home of a believer. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Taking these four verses, we're going to see four things, if you will, some biblical elements of a Christ-surrendered home. And so you note-takers, you want to write this down for your own home, you want to write this down and send it to somebody else, you think you may have a future home or or a future marriage, you can write this down. These are biblical elements of a Christ-surrendered home. Remember, we have this new self, Christian. We have this new identity, Christian. It should mean that we have new homes and new marriages and, and new dynamics within our families. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Some of you came today just to watch me sweat through this verse, verse 18. (laughs) But I'm I'm not going to dance around this passage, but I do want you to see a few really needful caveats. Number one, it does not say that women are to submit to men but wives submit to their husbands. It's not for non-believers. It's also not for for single ladies. It does not say women submit to men, but wives submit to their husbands. Here's the second thing I want you to see. The word submit here is in the present active voice or in the active voice. It's not a passive voice. So it's not a husband saying to his wife, you be submissive. It is a wife saying, I will, active voice, Submit. I think that's very important. It's not a husband saying, passive voice, you need to be submissive. It is a a, a wife, active voice, I will submit, I will honor my husband. You see, it is a wife who chooses by God's grace and by God's strength to honor and to submit. It's not the forced demand of a husband to his wife. It's the chosen obedience of a wife to her husband. It does not say here anywhere that a wife is less valuable or less competent or less intelligent. If you want proof of that, look to John and Jennifer Durham. That's definitely not the case in our marriage whatsoever. It's remarkably evident how much more competent she is than I and more intelligent than she is than, than she is than, than I. Verse, the, 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 verse 18 also has this little caveat to it. This is that last phrase. I want you to see this as fitting in the Lord. So a wife honors her husband as it lines up with the character of Christ, as it lines up with the commands of of Christ. In other words, the wife's submission to the husband is within the scope of the attributes of Jesus, is within the scope of, of the commands of Christ. She does not need to submit outside of that, which means a wife could submit in such a way that is unfitting in the Lord such as a husband telling his wife to lie or to steal or to abuse or to be abused. That is unfitting in the Lord. Not that it's fitting in the Lord, it's unfitting in the Lord. So this phrase here, verse 18, I know it's caused much consternation 
in the church throughout the years, maybe even especially in our culture today. But this phrase has to be in context with the very next line, verse 19, and husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You can't separate those two things. You do not build a biblically healthy marriage just on verse 18. You must add verse 19 in there as well. But a caveat that I simply cannot give today is that this is simply a cultural passage. In other words, that that was true and, and good for wives back then, but it's not true and good for marriages now. If it's just cultural, what are you gonna do with verse 19? That says, husbands, love your wives. Is that just cultural? Was that just true 2,000 years ago, but in the 21st century, I can do whatever I want to do? Oh, what about verse 20? If it's just cultural, what are you going to do with verse 20? Children, obey your parents. Is that just cultural? Was that true just back then, but, but not true today? There's not a parent in this room that would say a kid obeying mom and dad is just cultural. So I stand today in front of you submitting to you that God's word is true at all times for all people at all places. The word submit here is the word tasso. And it simply means to honor, or it also means to rank yourself under. And before things are thrown at me on the stage, can I tell you that scripturally, we are all to rank ourselves under everybody else in this entire room. We are all called to submit ourselves to one another within the context of Christian community. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. I am to submit myself below everybody here in this room. You are to submit yourself, honor people, even above yourself with everyone who is seated around you this morning. So there is submission within the body of Christ. But specifically here, Paul is saying, here's a biblical element, if you will, of a Christ-surrendered home. You can write this down. A wife who honors her husband and ranks herself under him. And I know that goes against every single afternoon talk show. And that goes against every podcast on feminism. I know it goes against the impulses of our culture and what is trending on every media platform right now. It also goes against every fleshly fiber of our being to rank people above ourselves. But here's good news. Christ has now given us new hearts. And we can look to him, the one who did not grasp equality with God, but took on the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So sisters, I would lovingly and hopefully humbly say to you this week, don't put on the culture. Put on the character of Christ. Colossians 3.19, husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them, which immediately takes away the thought that any man might have that he has a biblical right to be, to be overbearing or severe or a dictatorial, rigid caveman. What's the biblical element of a Christ-surrendered home? A husband who fully loves his wife with absolute kindness. In Greek, that word love is in continual form, which means keep on loving your wives. You love them before you married them. You love them on that wedding day. You love them on the honeymoon. You loved them when you got back. What Paul is saying here is keep on loving your wife. 
And don't be harsh with them means be patient with them. Be kind toward them. Be kind in your words toward them. Don't demean them. Do not put them down. Do not use abrasive words toward your wife. Some translations even say right here, don't say bitter things toward her. Don't be bitter in your heart toward your wife. Don't express any bitterness. The element of a Christ-surrendered home is a husband who fully loves his wife with absolute kindness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, obey your parents in everything. And all the moms and dads here said amen, right? Figured I might get some amens out of some of y'all today. Here's the third element of a Christ-surrendered home. Children who listen to and follow their parents in every way. But three things I need to say about this. This is within the context of a family where dad is surrendered to Christ and mom is surrendered to Christ. You see, it's always easier for a child to follow a parent or parents who are also following Jesus. Parents, some of you might be thinking right now, I am following Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my kids are not obeying me, and my kids are not following Jesus. I got some good spiritual words for you. Hang in there. And continue to pray for your kids. Continue to live a life of example before your kids. And do not discount a God who is so faithful to your children. A God who loves your son and your daughter more than you love your son and your daughter. Also, this is in the context, again, of verse 18. In a home where a wife is honoring her husband, a husband is loving his wife with kindness. That is a perfect culture in which a child can be raised. It's also within the context, I hope you see this, the end of verse 20, pleasing the Lord. So kids, if you consider yourself a kid, let me preach a really short sermon to you. It's really short. Two great things happen when you obey your parents. One, you honor your parents. But secondly, really close to that, and just as awesome, is that it pleases the Lord. That has good incentive to to obey your parents. It honors your mom and or your dad. It's a good incentive to know that the Lord is pleased, but I want to also continue to preach this sermon to the kids who are here. There actually is a limitation to obeying your parents. And that is if they ever ask you to do something that's outside of God's word or ever ask you to do something that's outside of God's standard or God's will. So children obeying their parents is limited to that which does not violate the standards and the will and the word of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So what's the fourth element of a, of a biblical, uh, the biblical element of a, of a Christ-surrendered home, of a, of a home that desires to honor the Lord in all ways? Here it is. It's, it's the father's role, a father who encourages the heart's of his children. Dads, our role is to speak life into our children. Mine are getting older now, almost 25, just turned 22. It is still my role, my job, my responsibility until Christ calls me home to speak life into my kids. Speak words of honor to my kids. Words of strength, words of courage, words of hope, words of love, words of safety to my kids. And moms, let me just say, if there's no dad at home, or if your husband's not going to pick up the mantle, then you do it. 
fact, verse 21, the word there for fathers can be translated in Greek as parent. So single moms or spiritually single moms, let me just encourage you, you speak those same words of life and honor and esteem and treasuring to your kids. Dads and parents, I think our kids need a daily reminder of God's love for them. That God sees them, that, that we see them, that they matter, that they are seen and loved by us and seen and loved by God. That the God of heaven and earth cares for them and knows their name. And the God of heaven and earth made them in his image. And he loves them ferociously. So whether it's school shootings or a pro-choice agenda or just the busyness of our lives, I wonder sometimes if we subtly or not so subtly tell our children that they don't really matter. This is gonna be awkward for some of us, but I love awkwardness at Highland. I love awkwardness in church. If you have a mom and a dad or a dad here in this gathering today, I don't care what age you are. If you're 50 and your parents are here, that's awesome. If you're a child with a parent present in this room, do you mind just standing? And if you're under the age of six, you can stand on your chair if you want to. Awesome. Uh -huh. Some of y'all who are a little bit older than, not, not old, just older than some of the other ones in, in the room, I'm going to have you help me help the younger ones around you who also have moms and dads who are here today. By these three words you're going to see on the screen, the three words are, and to you. So if you are a kid standing up right now, would you mind just saying those three words with me, please? And to you. You. Okay, that was pretty pitiful. I know you have a little bit more vo volume than that. Some of your moms and dads have told me you have a lot more volume than that. So I'd like to kind of hear you explain that out again. If you're, if you're not four, five, six, seven years old, I'm going to need you to kind of help me help them get that out. But especially if you're younger, right? Like I want you to use all that volume that I know that you have. So would you say those three words with me, please? And to you. Thank you. That sounded great over there. And to you. We're going to practice that one more time. I mean, y'all are doing really, really well with this. One, two, three. And to you. So in just a few minutes, you're going to see something on the screen that says kids. Now, I know if you're 20 or 50 or however old some of y'all might be who happen to have moms and dads here, I know that you're not a kid. I know that everyone standing is not a kid, but you're reading the part of the kid. But everybody else stand up with me, please. Non-kids, would you read the first part and then kids, if you'd respond, please. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Kids? All right, let's stop for just a second. Not for an evaluation. Moms and dads, if that kid is standing and you kind of see them right now, would you mind just putting your hand on their shoulder putting your hand on their back, lovingly put your hand on their shoulder. Let's read that one again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Kids, you are loved by Jesus and by this church. You are wonderfully made in the image of God. May God grow you strong in grace and wisdom. Kids. And to you. 
God sees you and hears you every day. You matter to God and he cares for you deeply. May you love and follow Jesus with all of your heart. You can be seated. Maybe we should do that more often. Two phrases you can't miss here. Verse 18, as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 20 as well, for this pleases the Lord. Highland. I want you to see that ultimately this passage is not about a wife's submission to her husband or the husband's position in the house. Ultimately, it's not about the obedience of the children. Ultimately, it's not about even the words of dad. Listen, ultimately, a home is to honor the Lord above all things and in all things. That's the calling of every Christian home. See, it's ultimately about Christ being honored. We get so focused on the arguments, the side arguments, what does submission mean? that we miss out ultimately. It's about the new life that we have in Christ. It's about the glory of Christ in our homes and our marriages. It's about honoring Christ in our homes and in our marriages. How is this done? How is it possible that a home can exalt Christ and honor the Lord above all things and in all things? This is the only way it can happen. This is done by everyone in the home fully surrendering their lives to Christ. I think that if the heart of a parent or the heart of a child or the heart of a husband or the heart of a wife is to honor the Lord above all things and in all things and they're fully surrendered to Christ, then all four of those commands, did you notice they all have four verbs? And in these four commands, there's, there's four verbs total. There's submit, there's love, obey, and don't provoke. And all four of those verbs become so natural when we are surrendered to Christ. Maybe a better word I should use becomes supernatural because of the presence of Christ in us. Would you all stand with me again? Let's pray. Father, what a counter-cultural passage The world and the systems of this world don't look anything like this. Wives honoring their husbands. Husbands continuing to love their wives with words of kindness. Children obeying their parents in in every way so it pleases the Lord and honors the Lord. Dads giving loving words, gracious words, esteeming words, courageous words to their kids. It almost seems impossible unless we are living in the new self, unless we are living in Christ. And he is supernaturally allowing us to follow those verbs, to to submit, to love, to obey, to not provoke. And the only way this is possible in a home that is Christ surrendered is when that home is filled with people who are surrendered. Surrendered to Christ as Lord, Christ as King, Christ as all. So God, by your grace, will our homes this week shine. Marriages this week shine like stars in the universe. 
God, your word has given us the prescription of home, the prescription of marriage, the prescription of relationship, the prescription of being a parent. So God, would you help us this week just to live this out as we simply live out obeying you, simply live out putting on that new self, taking off the old. May Christ be honored above all and in all. It's in his name that we pray together. Amen. I'd like to give a, a special invitation to you this morning for this time of response. Moms and dads or moms or dads, I would challenge you, encourage you, invite you. Maybe to take the hand of, of your child, your kid, no matter how old that kid might be. And come and pray over them here at the altar in this song. Let them hear words of, of love, words of affirmation, words of courage, words of hope, words of safety as you pray over them. So that's the invitation as we sing this song. I encourage families, parents, come and pray over your kids. Come and take your kids to the altar and pray over them during this time. Let's sing a song of surrender.